0: Today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my iniquity, for my transgressions, I'm sorry. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, thanking you, Lord, once again for each and every person uh, that is gracing this room, that is listening via media. Lord, we thank you, God, in every way for the provisions you have made for us to serve you, for opening our eyes and allowing the scales to fall off so that we might see you clearly. Father, help us to be conduits to others, Lord, to snatch them from the flames, Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask God that each of us will do our best daily to be rooted in it so that we, Heavenly Father, may avoid the flames of hell. Lord, we thank you for this time. Lord, we ask that each of us, Heavenly Father, will be edified and benefited by the words that you have given. And Lord, we ask God that even now that, Lord, we will secure ourselves stronger to the cross so that way we might be more and more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, okay, so let's go ahead and get into the word today, what God, I believe, has given to me. I don't wanna say he told me, but this is what I sensed the direction that he gave me because I really wanted to do something a little different. But uh, being that it's communion service, I do not plan to be up here super long, but uh, we'll do this and then we'll move forward. Uh, so here at Jesus Christ Lord Ministry, we believe in prosperity. We believe in prospering. We don't preach a prosperity doctrine per se, but we do. We, we're like Paul. We believe that uh, we can be content with or without when we are abased and abounding, and that's a good thing think God wants us to have things, that's, that's fine. Um, but we also believe, too, that the pursuit of prosperity can deliver one into hell. And that's not the direction that we're, we want to go in. We believe also that there is a devil. So we're going to start off right now in the word in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, 17. When you get it, say Amen. you get it, say amen. We believe that there is a devil, Lucifer, Satan, that he is real. And we are going to avoid the flames of hell ourselves, but there are many that won't. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 and 17. They probably don't have it in the uh, back. I didn't give it to them. Uh, I was just led to go there. you have it, say amen. If not, I'm going to go ahead and read for the sake of time. It says, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He rebelled right there. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? This is the devil, Satan, Lucifer, that we know exists. We know that he rebelled against God. We know that he will be brought down to hell. We know that his prisoners, he's not opening the house for them. So once they're in hell, they're there for good. There's no escaping hell. I mentioned earlier, Sister Miranda did a great job of talking about you know, the provisions that God made for us. But we're talking about something different. For those that don't believe, we're speaking of hell and the consequences thereof. See, we talk about people being saved. The question is, what are these people being saved from? The clear and easy answer, according to the Bible, is eternal damnation, eternal punishment, a punishment that never ends. See, I'm talking about this because in this day and time, too many of us, or too many ministers, and sometimes too many of us as Christians, we avoid that because it's not appropriate. You know, they say the things that you don't talk about when you're having conversation is politics and religion. Well, it's our commission by God to talk about religion. Politics, that's on you. You can or you don't have to. But we're commissioned to do so once we hold fast to that cross. It's for us to talk about heaven. And you can't talk about heaven without talking about hell. So we're going to talk about hell today. And it's not anybody's favorite topic. But for me, you know, I believe that there are some fears that benefit us, that are good, you know, it's no different than walking in the woods. You shouldn't walk in the woods with, without uh, bear spray. You shouldn't walk in the woods without a stick. You shouldn't walk out in the woods without something to protect yourself from the things that are there to get you. So in the same way, God has made a place called hell for those that don't believe in him. He's given us Jesus Christ to protect ourselves, but there are many that think hell is a fallacy. That it's just, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But I'm here to tell you that it is because I believe the Word of God, and I believe what it says is true, that hell is a real place, that those that go there will be conscious, just as conscious as we are right now, that everything that—and I don't know exactly how it works, but everything that they will feel, everything that they will see, everything that goes on there, the horrors of hell are real. They will be experienced, not just for a while. Not as some others say, as we'll see as we get a little further down, that, you know, it's just temporary, but forever. This is the place that we're talking about. This is why it's so important for us to learn the word so that we can present scripture to others in order to help them to avoid hell. So here we're going to see a credible snippet about hell. I say credible because many have claimed, as I said earlier, that hell isn't real that, you know, these are just stories, stuff made up. But we're going to see a voice from hell. So we're going to go, if you would, to Luke chapter 16, 19. I think they have that one back there. And we're going to talk about this snippet, this piece that Jesus talked about concerning hell. And that's Luke chapter 16, verse 19. If you would, go there. Uh, we're going to read it. When you get it, say amen. I heard an Amen. So we're going to go ahead and get to reading here. It says, and this is Jesus talking here. He says, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. We go to the next next uh, verse. Verse 20. If not, let me get there. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. I'm going to keep going. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, the rich man lifted up his eyes, being in torment and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. A bos- his bo- Abraham's bosom is reference for a place of, of comfort, a place of peace. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from there. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, no, Father, no, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, Abraham said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they persuade it, the one rose from the dead. So here we see Jesus talking about some things that are true even right now. That Jesus rose from the dead, and there are many who deny his existence, deny, you know, they say that the word of God is a fallacy, it's a fairy tale. Y'all believe that? you got to be stupid in your mind. You know, that's for dumb people to keep you kind of humbled and in your place, to leave on Jesus and, you know, go to church and stay in your place. That's what many believe. Here's Jesus talking about Abraham in this situation here this snippet here that we see about the truth of hell, that once you're there, it's on. There is no uh, water cooler in hell with ice in it. It, There isn't. And he's telling us this because he's also in this passage telling us how we need to be to avoid hell. Doesn't say you can't have things, but he said he passed by Lazarus. The dogs licked Lazarus' sores. The rich man just went on about his business doing nothing. You know, not not even trying to help him in any, in any kind of way. And many times, you know, this has been me, and I've repented of that sin. I'd ride by my, my mindset and my spirit, the spirit of God has has broken in to me, has broken my walls down. I don't ride by people on the side anymore. And you've heard it from the pulpit up here, not so much from me, but you've heard that that when we deal with people that are less fortunate, there's a way we deal with them. We should speak to them. Now, you know, I talk to my wife about safety and things of that nature. There's a way you need to handle yourself, but there's also a way that we need to respect the fact that there are people that have less than us, and we don't want to find ourselves like the rich man who dined sumptuously and was dressed in purple daily. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be in a situation where we're in hell and everybody else is in heaven, and this gulf is affixed, and we can't get out. And even the rich man's suggestion to Abraham, you know, send him back. And then Abraham tells him, can't do it, gulf affixed. And even if we do, Jesus is going to rise. Here's Jesus even giving some foretelling of himself, and and Abraham talking about what is not going to happen. We're not sending Lazarus back. But foretelling of himself, I'm going to die, I'm going to come back. I didn't just die and come back. I died, came back, and people saw me, and they still don't believe. We have it written down in the text, and people still don't believe. People still choose heaven. God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go to hell. I don't know why. Have no clue. And some think that I'm doing God's work. And we've talked about this scary, scary verse about, you know, um, <laughs> about going before God, and he rejecting us, and basically saying, away from me, I never knew you. To me, the scariest verse in the Bible. But here, we're gonna talk a little bit. I did some research for myself you know, it took me forever, it took me a long time to press that button and go to Google and find this research. But I looked up a Gallup poll uh, on the net. It wasn't hard to do. It says that 74% of people believe in God. Now, what God? There's no specifics, as we know, uh, for those of us that are that have been walking this Christian walk, uh, are believers or have been believers for a while. That people determine God based on their head sometimes, and maybe not what the Bible says. But it still says 74% of people believe in God. 69% of people believe in angels. 67% of people believe in heaven. 59% of people believe in hell. And this was done in 2023. 58% of people believe in the devil. Belief is greatest among, obviously, people that go to church, Protestants, But here's the kicker, only 4% of people, only 4% of people, not of the 74% that believe in God, but of the 100% of people that are interviewed, only 4% believe that they will go to hell. I said 74% of people that they interviewed believe in God. Only 4% believe in hell. The Great Commission, it's more uh, important now than ever. It's always been important, but it's more important now than ever. And those, that Gallup poll, those numbers continually skew down. So more and more people are not believing in God, and more and more people are not believing in angels, more and more people are not believing in hell. So it's our job to be vocal about God, about salvation. And again, there's no salvation without hell. As a society, we have become very comfortable with sin, very comfortable with sin. Society now has few consequences for the sins that we commit. See, here's how it works. When people grow up in a world where what used to be wrong is not wrong anymore, And what was right is no longer right. People get confused. The things that were defined as sin aren't sin anymore as much. give you an example. If a young boy, girl, it could be either, but we'll say boy for just the sake of doing this. If a young boy comes from school and makes the announcement that, hey, mom, dad, I don't know if I'm a boy anymore. I've learned that You know, I can be something else. I'm sliding back and forth. Many times, and we don't see it because many times we do what we do. We go to work, we do our thing, we come home, we're about our business. So many times we're not seeing these things unless we read about it or told about it. But in the schools, this is happening. So if a child comes home, tells his parents, hey, I don't know what I am, many times the parents are becoming advocates for the child. Now, some would say that I'm wrong in saying that, well, you know, as parents, we should do these things again. We're not, our, our society isn't governed by the Bible. Really, it is governed by something else. It's, it's, go, it's governed by a direction that's taken us towards hell. However, even though America is not a quote unquote Christian country, you know, our, our laws were based on. Um, vaguely the, the Ten Commandments and things from the Bible, I do believe that. That culture permeated some of the things that are going on now, or, or permeated the way our laws were written, and it's skewing further and further away from things are now. And so what I mean is, is that I'm going to go back to this boy that says, hey, I'm, I don't know what I am. I'm a boy. I think I want to be a female. The parents become his advocate. Society says That's okay. That's what you should do. You should support your child. I say different. I say we must stick with the text, with what God says, and we should train up our children in the way that they should go. We should not follow what society says. I've had had conversations with those close to me who have said that if my child says something along those lines, I'm going to support him. I'm going to be there for him because I don't want to tear down my relationship with my child. I don't either. And if I were in that situation, I wouldn't want to tear down my relationship with that child. But the Bible is pretty clear about who our relationship should be with. You know, in one place in the Bible, it says God says that, you know, that God, there's going to be, that Jesus is going to bring basically enmity between between father and son and mother and daughter. Things are going to happen. People are going to make choices. Now, it's our job early on to try to make certain that our children understand that all of this stuff that they're hearing is off. It's not God's way. However, it is important for us to make certain that we push with every fiber in our being, that we push evil out of our house, that we don't allow any pictures, any statues, anything that has anything to do with the adversary because this is so important. Saved from what? Saved from hell. If you allow hell in your house, your children are going to gravitate to it. If you allow heaven in your house, they'll gravitate to that as well. There's a way of doing it. Yes, the, the, the concept of heaven and talking about God and our great commission, it's not popular. However, it's our job, again, to grasp our children's heart so that when we deal with them, they feel comfortable coming and talk to us about When teacher says, you know, you can be either, you can do these things, and you can still be okay. When they come to you and they hear something starkly different from what you've been professing to them, then that's when you know, when they come and talk to you about those things, that's when you know that you have their heart. And you also not only have their heart, you save their backside from the flames of hell. And it's very important. We also, as parents, have to continue again, as the text says, that we are not afraid to have consequences for our children because there's so much out there, so much out there, that hell is, is trying to, that the devil is trying to draw us towards hell. But we know that we serve a God that does not want us there. However, he gives us free will and allows us to make decisions. I mentioned earlier that our society is uh, that that our society has few consequences for sin. The last real sin that's out there that causes hysteria, even in the in the world, is pedophilia. It's the last one that people get outraged over. Adultery, pride—that's welcome. Nobody nobody says anything about adultery anymore. Pride. They welcome that. Hey, man, you're supposed to be private. You're supposed to bump your chest. You know, you got it done. Sexual obscurity. Nobody gets upset about what happened in your bed. That's your business. I'm going to do me. Drug use. illicit drug use. Nobody says anything about that now. We got laws that say, hey, you can use a little, little recreational weed. You know, it's good for you. What the word, that's, what, that's what society is saying. There are consequences for sin. Marijuana, used recreationally, is still a gateway drug. Now, you don't have to believe it. You can do what you want to. I talked to a man the other day. He told me, that, you know, I, I guess it's different because the times are different. You know, if you did it back in the 70s or the 80s, you know, uh, but they changed the laws now. You can do it, it It's just a little bit. Cops not going to mess with you. It's still a gateway. The truths are still true. It doesn't change because it became law. Now, nah, do what you want to do. The law says you can do it. I'm just throwing you a little tidbit. There are consequences for sin. So, the Jesus that we serve is not the Jesus that's being professed now. The Jesus that we serve talked about hell a lot. But it's mighty funny. You never really hear from the world this Jesus that talks about hell because he's all love. He loves us. He gets us. It's Jesus. You know, rub the bottle. Jesus, make me rich. That's the Jesus that we hear about. But we're going to talk about a different Jesus today. Saved from what? From hell. So our Lord Jesus Christ, his first sermon, was on hell. If you'd go to Matthew 5, 22 with me, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, and he comes out swinging, talking about hell. Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. Let's start there. When you get there, say amen, and I guess I will too this time. I heard some amens. Matthew 5, verse 22. Matthew 5, verse 22. It says, But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, are basically you numbskull, shall be in danger of the council, but, what, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift unto the altar and go thy way first. Be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. So we see here Jesus is talking about hell in verse 22. I'm not going to go all the way there. And if we go a little further, if you come down with me or go up with me to uh, verse 29, Matthew chapter 5, verse 29, I'll keep reading right here. It says something that's really strong, that if thy right eye offended thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into what? Into hell. Jesus was very serious about hell. I always hear people talk about these scriptures and say, well, you know, he wasn't really talking about plucking out your eye or cutting off your arm. No, he was using it, you know, as a example. But I stand here and tell you, that it's much better, and we will see a little later, that it is much better for you to pluck your eye out or cut off your arm. I know it sounds rough, and it is, and he meant it to be, but it's better to do that than to go to hell, because the things that are set up there, it's not good, not good at all. There is something that, as we talk about hell here, there's a corrupted Christianity that offers this material psychological substitute for hell. They say Jesus wants to save you from loneliness and anxiety and failure and poverty and purposelessness and sickness, and he wants to do those things. But that's not what salvation is totally about. It's included, yes, it's included in salvation. But he wants to rescue us from hell. The, the, the whole, you know, even if you don't get all these other things, uh, and you still have some anxiety and you still have some loneliness, we don't wanna be there. That's not what I'm advocating. We don't wanna be there, but we don't wanna be in hell more than all of these things. Now, I, I know, and some may say, uh, we all know about hell. We need to talk about that because we're not talking about it. That's why. I know that there are some that are more mature Christians, and that's great, but there are some that aren't, and they need to hear this, and they need to hear it because it's being whitewashed. It's not being talked about. It's not being given as a, the, the consequence to what sin is. So there's eternal life, there's eternal damnation. It is real. Your eyes will be opened. You will feel the flame on your skin or your flesh or your bone and whatever body that you have there. Just as we will rise and live eternal with Christ, those that are dead and rejected Christ will die, be resurrected with a resurrected body that will fill all of these things. Now, how will that happen? I ain't God. You need to talk to him about that. But it's real, and we need to tell our children. We need to tell our coworkers. We need to tell anybody that'll listen, because there are many, again, that are making this a fallacy, and it will only get worse. It will only get worse. So I remember, as a young man, I was a lifeguard out at the beach in Lake Charles, which is where I'm from. And so we had to go through coursework in order to to become a lifeguard. You know, we had to swim down to the bottom of the lake bed or the pool or whatever and pick up this block and bring it up and hold it above our head and kick and hold it up. You know, we had to be fit. We had to be fit in order to do our job. There were these maneuvers that we would go through and someone would go out in the water, you know, maybe 12 feet of water or whatever and they would lay like they had, were drowning. And so We would perform these maneuvers on how to rescue a person that was drowning. So they would teach you if this is the person here and they're drowning and kicking, the first thing you don't want them, and I don't remember the exact terms, but you don't want them to come and grab you. Because if they do, y'all both going down. Because their strength and their adrenaline, even if they're smaller than you, can take you down to the bottom as well. And now both of you guys are in trouble. So they taught us this maneuver. So if you see the person, you swim up to them, stop, don't let them get to you. Because they're, they're gonna be kicking and gasping. You go down under the water, you come around to the back of them where they can't see you, you swim over to the other side, and then you grab them, you snatch them, and then you breast, you you stroke back to safety, bring them back to lower water. Another way of doing that, if that person is over here and they're drowning. And they're, they're bigger than you, and you don't think you can handle them. You do the same thing. You swim around, swim to the back, and you may have to clock them across the head. No, it sounds crazy. That's what we were taught. Now, this was a long time ago. I hadn't read up on those instructions. But, but, maybe that's why I am like I am now. But it's better to do that, and if you can clock them, Knock them, you know, kind of silly, kind of get them to stop kicking and going crazy. And you can get your arm around their neck, up under their neck here. You can then swim back out to safety. And you may, if you get tired, then you may have to let them go and then come back and get them. It's similar in this Christian walk that we're doing. One, you can't be a lifeguard and not be fit. We have to be fit in order, one, to keep ourselves out of hell. Two, after you're fit, you got to remember and know this word, because if you're out here and you swim back over to this person and you forget you're in trouble, you got to leave them there and they're going to die. Same thing in the Christian walk. If you forget your instructions, which is this, see, we don't have in and of ourselves the ability to save anybody. We can't save nobody. The only thing that saves anybody is this, man... We could take this church and put a disco ball up there, and we all can come in here and wear uh, 1970s bell bottoms and platform shoes and all of that stuff, and had the coolest church in Baton Rouge. Man, we're going to get them. We're going to save them out of hell. That don't work. That's foolish. You, we, we, cannot, we cannot coax people from hell ourselves. We're going to make ourselves in a way that draws people in. And I hear a lot of talk about this, not from the world. I don't hear it from them. I hear it from Christians that say, hey, we just got to make it more appealing. Well, how appealing do we make it until we move away from this? And if we move away from this, then our consequence is hell. We cannot change a jot or a tittle from this. So if a person doesn't want it, they have made the decision themselves to choose hell. No different than if I swam up to a person, they're kicking and they say, I don't want, leave me alone. If they say that, now, if it's one of mine, I'm still going to deal with them. But if it's somebody that just says that, I may still try, but pretty much I've kind of I'm able to back away from that if they don't want it. I can't make them do things that they don't want to do. No different in the church. We cannot make our church so, and and I'm not saying we shouldn't be welcoming. We should be welcoming, but we cannot, we can do everything that this allows. Anything outside of this that starts getting weird, and you know when it is. Because the Bible talks about trying the spirit by the spirit to see if it is of God. That's when certain things you hear, certain things you see, certain things that you are around, you're just kind of like, you have this, if, if you're saved, if you're a believer, you have the Spirit of God. You have the Holy Spirit. He helps you to avoid those things that will draw you to hell. That feeling, that spirit, that still quiet voice that you hear, that's drawing you away from hell and keeping you on the straight and narrow path. Guys, there are many, many roads that lead to destruction. And we don't want to go there. We want to be in the position that we're supposed to be, that we're doing our part, that we're snatching those from hell that we can. But we, can't, we don't want to go to hell in the, same, in the same way. He wants us to escape. Because again, hell is full of, we'll be conscious of it. It's not a good place. You know, it's not like I hear some of the guys talking about, man, yeah, I'm going to do my years. No, you ain't doing years. You're doing forever in hell. This isn't play. This is the real deal. So I want to go to Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. And we're going to talk about just a little bit. I'm not going to go through a whole lot for the sake of time. But we're going to talk about some of the descriptions because we're we're talking about what we're saved from. We're saved from hell. We're talking about hell. We don't want to go there. So we'll give you a little description, a little, little snippet here. Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chafe with unquenchable fire. That's a description of what hell is. Unquen- no fire extinguishers, no holes, no water, is not going out forever. Revelations, chapter 14, verse 9. Revelations, chapter 14, verse 9. And I'm going to go there as well. Revelations, chapter 14, verse 9. I don't know if I gave them that one in the back. I thought I did, but I'm going to go ahead and read. It says, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. Now, I don't know what all of that means, but that show don't sound good. <laughs> the mixture into the cup of his indignation, so we know what indignation is. He, 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 he's indignant, he's mad, he's upset. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone. We know what fire and brimstone is. Brimstone is basically burning sulfur. We know what fire is. In the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night. You don't get no sleep in hell. Who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name, the beast name, this is what you get. God's indignation, his wrath poured out on you without mixture. So whatever that's like, I don't know if it's lighter with a mixture. You mix it up, or if we need to pour it out, this is what you're getting. And it's forever and ever. I'm so amazed when I hear people talk about, man, I'll go to, you know, I don't even want to say it myself. Man, I'm going to be there with my friends and all of that stuff. Okay, yeah, and you will probably recognize them, and you will know of those decisions and those things that you've said. I can't even play like that. I can't play like, man, I'm going there. No, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. And so it's incumbent upon us, upon each of us, to, to stay in our path first. Make sure that we're saved so that we don't have that experience. And then once we are good and straight, then you know we can talk to others. But I don't want to go there. This this is Pretty rough. That's pretty scary to me. Uh, let's go to Second Thessalonians, verse one, uh, chapter one, verse nine. Second Thessalonians, chapter one, verse nine. You got it. Say amen. It's up there. Who sh- who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power? And he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Am I reading in the right spot? In that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you and our. Hold on. Let's be in the wrong spot. I'm sorry. Just want to make sure that I'm right on this, guys. Give me one second here. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm going ahead of myself. So, yes, 2 Thessalonians verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. So who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power? So basically, we will be punished as it says. Very simple verse there. Everlasting destruction and from the glory. Of his power as we walk out our 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 Christian existence hell many times brings us to this place where we believe and we understand once we get a get clarity about that and God turns our heart and our eyes towards him as we walk we recognize the thing that we really want we don't want to go to hell but what we really want is that presence with God that time that The the closeness that we feel when we are in communion with him, when we are around him, when we read his word, when we're around others that know God, there's a a peace, there's a presence that we have that only comes by being in his presence. The opposite is true. When we are not in his presence, and that's why it says this, when we don't have the glory of his power, we're not in his presence, there is no peace, there is no glory, there is no No, there's nothing good without God. That's what hell is. We don't want that destruction. We don't want those things upon our lives. Hell is, in the Bible, there's a term, Gehenna, which is referring to the Valley of of Henan, which is uh, a valley west and south of uh, Jerusalem. And the Valley of Henan, was basically a place where everybody bought their trash. They brought trash, put it there, and it burned, and it burned, and it burned, and it never stopped burning. And this was the place that the people in those, t- in, in those places associated with hell. I remember as a kid, uh, when we would go to the country, and if any of you have had that experience, you probably know. But I remember as a kid going out there and it was such a cool thing because they didn't have trash cans out there in the country. They burned everything, everything. And the way they had it set up, I remember because my uncle's houses were on one side, there was a street, and then there was a bayou that ran the whole length of the street. And the street was, seemed like maybe a mile. And then on the other side of that street, one of my uncles had built out like a bulkhead where he had a storage shed, a little, a little driveway, and then right behind the storage shed, they would throw everything down and they would burn it. And you had to be careful what you would throw out there because you know it could get explosive. And it didn't burn all the time, but it was just fun getting out there burning stuff, because you're a kid. You, know, you like fire, firecrackers, and we would do all those things out there. But the thing about it is that in Gehenna, or in the Valley of Henan, it burned forever. And the association was that the smells were bad, it was raggedy, it wasn't nice, it wasn't clean. It's was kind of like my uncle's little place there, you know. He kept everything else nice, but you know, it's it's the trash heap. That same representation, those people that lived in those times, they had an understanding of what hell was. And when Jesus talked to them using parables, he didn't have to go through a lot of explanation because they had a pretty good representation. Especially those that were in that area, in the valley of Ge- Gehenna, or lived in the region, they knew what that was. And so when you said hell, they immediately associated it with that. It seems, though, nowadays when we say hell, I guess people just associate it with a big party. That's not what it's gonna be. Nobody's gonna be partying in hell. It's not gonna be uh, good. It's eternal, it's, we'll be conscious of what's going on. It will not be good in any way, in any shape, in any form. So, as I talk about this, I, I had some questions for myself, I guess, and I'll kind of share them because it seems as though so many people um, just don't understand. And especially those that call themselves Christians and are so called, are, are called, called themselves Christians and are deconstructing now, basically. There, there's, there's this term out here when you're a Christian and you're now working to not become a Christian. I don't know what that is, because I believe that if you really taste of Jesus Christ, it's very difficult. Not that you can't, but you're not trying to deconstruct. You, I'm assuming that you were probably just trying, like, you know, a new candy bar, You're just biting, oh, I don't know if I like that or not. Maybe that's what they were doing. But that's not what we're talking about here. For those that believe, there are some questions. If hell is eternal, then is heaven eternal? And if there is eternal punishment, which is for the unrighteous, and if there is eternal life, which is for the righteous, if these things are so is there such a thing as annihilation? And this term has been used by people that are deconstructing and others as a way to say that when we all die, regardless of what we do, that they use scriptures, and I won't go into all of that right now, but that we'll just go and we'll be consumed by the fires of hell. Which means that That's not forever. That's not what Jesus has said. That's that's not close. So what they're saying is we'll just be annihilated. We'll go in there, we'll feel the fire for a little while, then we'll cease to exist. No more pain. We're good. No more smoke. No more all of the other things that go on in hell. So that mindset there or that way of thinking tears down the whole Bible, basically, because Jesus is clear. He's telling us, cut off your, eye, pluck your eye out, cut your arm off, whatever you got to do to avoid this place because there will be eternal punishment there. But these deniers are saying that there is, and some are saying that there is no hell. Some are saying that there's this annihilation thing going on, cease to exist. Some are saying, eh, no hell, nothing to worry about. We just die, turn in the dust, and we might come back as a butterfly, get it right next time. I don't believe that. Because it doesn't even make sense uh, practically right now. If I go out and do a crime that warrants punishment, and they catch me, unless I gotta corrupt somebody up there making judgment on me, you're gonna have a consequence. You commit a crime that's part of our law. You do that, you get tried. Consequence: jail, something not nice. That's usually what it's like in most places now. Some of these more, I guess I guess call themselves refined country, I think like in uh, Norway or Finland, their jails are much nicer, but it's still jail. I don't want to be sitting somewhere in a little bitty box and I can't go out unless somebody tells me or whatever, all your freedom is restricted. There are other jails in some of these other countries that you just don't, you know that you're there when you get close, because you smell it. And it's not a good smell. The food does not have a good smell. Nothing has a good smell. You don't want to go there. Some people just say, man, I'm not going there and take themselves out. It's so bad. Hell is like that. But the problem is, is that when that second death comes, there ain't nothing you can do. Ain't no taking yourself out because it's always. Jesus was not wrong about hell. He was totally correct about hell. If the Lord Jesus Christ was wrong about hell, Why was he wrong about hell? Was Jesus ignorant? We know that's not true. Because if he was ignorant, then he can't be the Lord of all. And what he's saying about hell isn't true. If he was wrong, then he is not the way, the truth, and the light. Jesus was not inept, and he discussed hell the right way to those that he spoke to. Again, we don't want to go there. We recognize that God is good and that he's talk- he's given us all of the scriptures that he has given us, and he talked consistently about hell to make certain that we got it. Jesus speaks life constantly, and he's constantly concerning us, he's constantly telling us about the consequences of not going to hell. See, sin has pleasure for a season. That pleasure is not eternal, though, but the fire is. Sin, I said, sin has pleasure for a season. The pleasure is not eternal, but the fire is. And I think once you get that and recognize, then you can kind of put some things into place that help you to want to stay out of hell. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 66, 22, 24. Isaiah chapter 66, 22, 24. Isaiah 66, 22, 24. It's in the Old Testament, and I'm almost there. And it says, For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. I want to make sure, I'm going through these scriptures here, because I want to make sure that everybody understands This is not a nice place. This is not what you want to do. So if your mind is stayed on foolishness, this is your consequence. And we don't talk about it enough because I hear, again, people that I respect and love talk as though this Bible don't matter. That talk as though the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me, God, for their worm shall not die. Now, I don't get the whole thing, but we know what worms are associated with. Ooh, he got the worms. It's not good. When we talk about that. The worm is, is associated with death and things that just aren't good. But that ain't going to die. You're going to have that. Neither shall the fire be quenched. And they shall be an abhorring for all flesh. Abhorring means just disgustable, totally bad, just not good, distasteful to all flesh. We don't want to be looking upon that. We don't want to be the ones looked upon those carcasses that are there. This is what goes on in hell. Let's go to Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 through 4. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 through 4. When you got it, say amen. I'm going to go ahead and start reading. They have it up on the board. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But though, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end, Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. We just do not want to, we want to recognize what we're saved from. And we don't want to be caught up in a way where when we leave this place, that we're going to hell. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 12. Matthew chapter 8, verse 12. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hold right there. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. You're gritting your teeth forever. You're crying forever. Not just a little whimper. You're crying in pain. If you've ever burned yourself, if you've ever done anything kind of gross, hard, you know, broken anything. You're in that kind of pain. You're not like sad crying. Well, It will be sad crying, but it's painful. Next verse, verse 13. Y'all with me back there, verse, verse 13. Okay, and Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way. And as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. We're going to stop right there. That's good. That's good. I, I really just wanted that first verse. I'm sorry. Again, I just wanted to make certain that I brought some scriptures in. Uh, one of the last ones, Revelations, one second here. Revelations 14, chapter 14, verse 9. Revelations chapter 14, verse 9. I'm going to go ahead and start reading. It says, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast... I'm going to read this again because I want to kind of go into some stuff. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand. Now, we don't know what the what the what the image is. We we don't know exactly what the mark is. It tends to be in, in my mind. So, this is in the Bible. I'm going to find this in the Bible. I tend to think that it's media because what we think, as we talked about in a in a earlier ser- uh, message, what we think is so important. And as we see as I talked about the Gallup poll, that the numbers of people believing in God, the few people that think they're gonna to go to hell, the few people that believe in anything that has anything to do with God, continually decreases. I believe that this mark is gonna be tied in with media, but it's also, our thinking will have to be changed because pretty much all of us, and I'm assuming if you're watching right now, in this time, it's 2024, if you even know of God, if you remotely know of God, we're not going down, marching down there. Okay, I'll take, the, I'll take the mark. Just put it here, put it there. We're not taking the mark like that. I'm not. However, once our society, the, the, the bulk of people, once they get to this point where they're accepting of these things, then they will take it, and it won't be hard, because we can kind of see some of the wins of that right now. It's no different than when people were getting things injected into them uh, 20, 25 years ago. People were like, man, that's stupid. That's the mark of the beast. Now people are getting those things a little bit more, a little bit more, a little here, a little there, and the more they get it, the more acceptable it will become. Now, exactly what that is, I'm not 100% sure, but I know that our thinking will have to change. And again, we're gonna come back to uh, uh, verse 10, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. These are things, again, that we don't wanna have any part of, fire and brimstone. People say, well, you know, we always think about the old country preacher out there preaching fire and brimstone. Well, I'm preaching it because I believe that it needs to be talked about. We have to say those things because we don't want our loved ones, we don't want people that we know to go down into hell. Now, we wanna stay on the straight and narrow path, right? But I'm gonna give you some terms, some descriptions of what it's gonna be like in hell. So I'm gonna just just blurt them out right now. Agony, banishment, brimstone, darkness, cursing, destruction, distress, deprivation, fire, Teeth grinding, gnashing of teeth, guilt, hopelessness, loneliness, all of these are things that will take place in hell. Pain, suffering, pressure, prison, punishment, ruin, separation, smoke, sulfur, shame, contempt, torment, trouble, weeping, forever with no end. That's not where we want to be. We tend to, you know, when things go on, we want to be in places where it's opposite of that. And we know that the wide road will lead us to hell, but the narrow road is the one that will get us to Christ, get us to heaven. There are many roads to hell. Each sinner, as I mentioned earlier, goes to hell because of his own sinful choices. Any and every sin, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how heinous, no matter how cute, all lead us to hell. So I'm going to you, give you a little description or tell you the names of some of those wide roads that you want to stay off of. You don't want to take Pride Road, Then you don't want to go on Whoremonger Street. You don't want to be anywhere near Self-Righteous Preacher Boulevard. I don't want to be near it. I don't call myself a preacher, but I'm up here preaching. I don't want to be near that, that boulevard. We want want to stay far away from fearful way. And I say fear, it doesn't sound as bad, but it's one of the things that many will go to hell for, fear. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but one of love, one of power. Power, right, sister? And of a sound mind. Murder turnpike, you want to stay away from there. Keep your anger in, in check. Sorcerer highway, We don't want to go there either. A dollar to walk, stay off of it. All liars lame. The Bible tells us that all of these will take us straight to the lake of fire in Revelations 21 and 8. These places, it's not a vacation spot. The lake of fire is not a vacation spot. It's not Dubai or Orlando, places that folk like to hang out, Cozumel, Monaco. It's none of those places. We don't want to be there, we don't want to visit because those are one-way trips that we will not get out of. Remember Lazarus and the rich man. Remember, the rich man wanted Lazarus to dip his finger in a little tip of water and cool his tongue because he was tormented. We We don't want to meet that Lazarus. Maybe the other one that we talked about the other day, but we don't want to meet that Lazarus. On the other hand, There's only one way to escape hell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believeth upon him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the only way. Now, do not confuse that verse to think that he was talking about God just loving everybody just however they are. Remember, God... Uh, Sister Miranda said it earlier. He's holy. He can't, he doesn't, he's not going to have sin around him forever and ever. He sent Jesus for the remission of our sin. God so, lo- read the whole thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him. And believing, I can't see belief, but I can see the fruit of belief. So people say, well, I believe. Well, we throw belief around a lot. But our belief should bear some fruit. So some people will say, oh, but that's works-based. No, it's not. If you believe, you do it. If I told you right now, hey, man, walk out that door, go over to the right, and I gave you a shovel, and I tell you right here where this X is, dig down, and I got a million dollars down there. If you believe, you're going to go do it, if you not, unless you just don't need no money. But if you don't, you're going to go the other way. Your belief is going to dictate what you're going to do so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That's God making a way for the world. He loved the world so much that he gave his perfect son to die for us, for the remission of our sins, and to keep us saved from what? To keep us saved from hell, so that we might have everlasting life with him and not everlasting life with Lucifer or Satan. We want to be saved. We definitely want that relationship to continue to be nourished with Jesus Christ, but we want to stay out of hell. And I know I've talked about hell a lot today. I will continue to talk about hell because it needs to be talked about. The weights have to be balanced somewhat. But I sense from God that this is what he wanted us to hear today. I pray that everyone heeds it and we will move forward from there uh, with our communion service. So, Let's pray and then we're going to get into our communion service. Father God, we thank you for this time. Father, we pray that what you have put in place, which is hell, for those that do not believe upon you, that none of us watching now, none of us in this building, none of our loved ones, none of the people that we are around that we love, and even those that we may not love so much, that they would be lost because of what because of who you are and the words that we can speak. Prayerfully, Father, they will listen, that they will hear, and that they will heed. Father, we thank you for giving us Jesus Christ, a way to keep us out of hell. Also, want, um, God himself on earth, that Father, if we draw nearer to him, he will draw nearer to us, and that he will provide for us, Heavenly Father, as well. But Father, we thank you, God, again, for this time. We praise you right now. We ask, God, that you would keep each of us, that this week, Heavenly Father, we would be well, and that we will continue to seek you in a mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.